adopting of the EU deforestation regulation has been welcomed by campaigners of sustainability and climate change issues. But what impact will it have on the bakery industry? We chat to Gary Lewis, President of the National Edible Oils Association and Sales Director of KTC Edibles, to find out more. Gary, thank you for joining me. Firstly, please tell me a little bit about your responsibilities. Right, so it's it's quite broad, obviously, in terms of that. So there's two things. As um, KTC, we are a major packer of oils and fats in the UK. One of the well, the, the largest packer of oils and fats in the UK. And the commodities that affect actually, we pack a lot of. So the, the, the issues to do with soybean oil and obviously palm oil. So my role at KTC is 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 heavily involved with the the sustainability side, obviously the sales approach, how we're positioning ourselves in the market. And with my Neoda hat on, which is the trade association, so that represents all the major crushers, refiners, packers, distributors. So it comes in a nice little circle to look at things like legislation. We're monitoring things, how people are packing, making sure the quality is quite right working with governments to do with things like olive oil legislation. Sustainability has been heavily on the agenda now since probably about 2010. So I've been involved with my various careers in introducing a cost-effective segregated palm oil that comes from deforestated or low deforestation and segregated areas since about 2010 now. You also involved with the Sustainable Commodities Initiative. Can you mention right. that? Yeah. So what? So the, the government, so through Africa, which is a government-sponsored body, it's brought together all the industries, so retailers, manufacturers, downstream, towards this commodity forum. So there's four main sectors that's being covered in this sort of um, commodity risk assessment at the moment. Um, a lot of that is being decided is beef and leather, cocoa, coffee, maize, palm oil, rubber and soya. So there's a lot of commodities being discussed because even though the UK government may w- focus on three or four, it will expand that kind of reach. So what we, what we do, we meet regularly either by teams or uh, in person to try and work together as an industry to address these concerns and how we're going to deal with it. And also help guide the government and guide anybody involved in the situation, the complexities in the industry. And a lot of that really is to do with consultation. So it started about two, three years ago with a consultation because obviously commodities get into the supply chain in many different formats, directly, indirectly, byproducts, embedded products. Um, So it's nice to be part of that committee and having an input so you have a say. Excellent. We're going to talk today about deforestation. Uh, Just to start, do you think the average consumer is savvy about deforestation? I think that I think what studies have shown that uh, consumers are actually concerned. And that's why we've worked quite heavily with a lot of bodies, things like Chester Zoo and other zoos and other um, industries really are trying to do the right things because I think there's been a lot of misinformation around commodities, particularly things like palm oil have had a bad press and it's not all 
it's not all bad. Community, um, I think consumers look at these things and see obviously these adverse reactions in the press and they see some bad press and they, and they are concerned about what they're consuming. So there's been a lot of attempt over the last three or four years to highlight um, sustainable cities and products that contain the right um, pro uh, the right sustainable products in the industry as well and to highlight then the importance of commodities like palm oil in the food chain because it, it's a very important crop. How big is the deforestation-free movement in the EU? It's, well, I, it's obviously going to become law. So it, it's now come to a head because it actually came into law. It started in June 2023 um, with a lead-up time to become law by December 2024. So from the 1st of January next year, it will be law to have uh, four main commodities that will be covered in this scope. And the EU has set out this law to educate everybody and who's responsible. Now, um, it's, it's quite thorough because obviously we need to prove to, so there will be a database. The EU, the model is where the producers who bring in these commodities will have to bring it in to notify where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. So the initial EUDR regulation will cover cattle, which is beef and leather, cocoa, coffee, palm oil, soya, rubber and wood. Um, and that will extend as we go along, really. So it, what it's based on, there's a cutoff date for any deforestation that goes back to December, 31st December 2020. So is anything post that date they're interested in, really. So it will affect any companies importing those commodities into the EU. Um, and of it, there's a code of practice in terms of what we need to do. So we need to tell everybody um, the geolocation coordinates for all the plots of the land where the commodities are grown, the risk of deforestation relating to the production of that commodity, um, and what steps have been taken to eliminate the risk, uh, and what's, what's practical in terms of that, and obviously a due diligence statement for each product. So as you can imagine, there's quite a lot of thorough work to be done. So we're we relying on a supply chain for those people initially bringing them into the, EU, into the EU and the UK. And then obviously we as packers will have to do our due diligence to make sure that our suppliers are doing the right thing as well. There are concerns the legislation may stigmatise countries by labelling them as risky sources of produce. Do you yeah. agree? I do agree. I think obviously I'm fully supportive of the initiatives. Um, but I think the industry's moved a long way in terms of it's taken us a long time to move the supply chain to a fully segregated RSBO supply chain. Mm -hmm. the, the concern I think that I would have is obviously um, countries like Malaysia and Indonesia, 40% um, of all the supply chain is actually smallholders. So these are small farms in the industry who are trying to make a living and they don't necessarily have all the infrastructure, the technology to provide the information that the EU needs. So in a way, I think there is a concern in the industry that we're cutting out some of these people who are just making a living, trying to do the right thing. So I'm a little bit obviously concerned of that issue. And as you're quite right, Malaysia and Indonesia are the two largest producers of, of palm oil. 
Mm-hmm. And it's done a lot. It can still do more. It's done a lot to try and address the concern of the industry as well. So I think the, e- the EU law, it helps, but I, it's just a question whether it ultimately will it achieve the right goal. Can you tell us a little bit about the EU deforestation regulations yep. history? Well, it, it's, it's been going on for a number of years now. The EU's been looking at, uh, and the UK, because I've, I've tried and linked them together because they're running in tandem. Mm. The UK is consulting with the EU. Now, originally, we, 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 if you go back um, two, three years ago, we looked at the Amsterdam Declaration. So we, what we're trying to do, we're trying to encourage everybody who's involved um, in the supply chain to move to sustainable products, whether it's palm or soya. Now, soya is more difficult ironically, because um, a lot of the soybean oil that's affected comes from South America, mm-hmm. where there are obviously genuine concerns about deforestation. I think Malaysia and Indonesia have done a lot to address the global concerns and uh, um, and have moved that supply chain. Obviously, uh, as we go along and as we demand more palm oil, that's the only way to support it. The EU now has, for a couple of years, been trying to look at ways enforcing that and putting some measures in place. So I think for the last two years, it's been working on the the uh, deforestation regulation, hard thing to say, EUDR, (laughs) purely because it needs some way of measuring. It needs to put a scope in there where people have to comply with the law or face penalties possibly banning products that could be used. Um, my only, I said, if I, if I was cynical about it, is that to put a, a date in of the 31st of December 2020, really most of the deforestation was done prior to that event. Right. And as I said, I think in the last 10 years, there's been massive progression in terms of, of that scope. Um, and I think And I think there's a concern whether the industry is ready to enable that act because there's a lot of work and what we're making sure is that everybody can comply with that or get access to that information because as you can imagine there's a lot of technology involved with with a satellite navigation so we 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 will have to ensure that whoever our suppliers are they're bringing them from areas we would have to do a, a a a check a due diligence to from Tell me where it's grown. That that plot of palm has come from this area in Indonesia, Malaysia, Papua New Guinea, Colombia, and then show prove to me it's come from an area. Mm. And then we once we check that information, we have to record that and say we've done our due diligence. Uh, and so, as you can imagine, if every single supplier, every single manufacturer has to do that, it's a significant amount of work that has to be done. What does this all mean for the baking industry? And uh, will it yeah. impact both mass manufacturers and smaller micro bakeries? I think but the good well, the good thing is well this the scope as we see it now covers a certain level. So let's say let's look at the UK, because the UK would be the most practical and the UK law will become things. It covers companies with over fifty million turnover. So I would say the good news is the smaller bakeries could be exempt mm-hmm. or and the other practical thing is that it be, it's be, anything above 500 tons so anyone buying 500 tons of palm or soya or obviously palm in the bakery industry or a 50 million turnover has to comply or has to do the due diligence those obviously smaller companies will be exempt 
Do you think there is sufficient understanding by those manufacturers that they'll only be allowed to sell products in the EU if the supplier has issued a so-called due diligence statement confirming their commodities do not come from deforestated land? No, uh, that's the problem. I think the, I think the concern is now is that the, the law has obviously been, in, or the, the, the announcement of it coming into law has been in place. I think there's a lot of work to be done to, uh, I'll, I'll say, communicate those to the smaller customers. The larger customers are very much on it. Mm-hmm. So the, the big operations are already sending out questionnaires asking about awareness, preparation, what you're doing. I think my concern is, and that's why a lot of the things that we've been doing uh, as KTC and Neoda is to try and educate everybody that this is coming. Um, and I think there's a bit of work to be done, and that's the next level, to educate people. What does it mean? Who's responsible? I think a lot of people are concerned that you know a small company that we're supplying will have to do that due diligence. They won't. They'll have to, you know, we will have to give them a statement to say we've done our process, we've done all the work, and then they can do their work as well to prove that. So I think the next couple of months uh, will be about education. Mm-hmm. doing some more workshops, telling people what it means, what role they have in coordinating that and what responsibility they have. So I, I think there's an awful lot of work to be done. Obviously, there's n- I know we're in February, but 12, you know, 10 months away. Mm, that's this right. Is, this, this, is, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be law. Um, my, again, if I'm cynical, I, I think given all, obviously the time frame. We'll obviously have to do all the hard work. We'll get to the end of the year, and obviously um, the EU Parliament is very adamant about coming into place, but we have to be practical and know that on the 1st of January 2025, we need food products to be on the shelf. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the, real, that the reality is we need to make sure that we have products, because if anything about the Ukraine war situation that highlights to people, not having product is the worst thing rather than going obviously taking a bit more time and going through the right process really. You've already mentioned penalties uh, for non-compliance but what will be the impact felt by bakers? Uh, I think I think it probably further up the chain really I think again it, to, if they're if they're larger over that certain turnover then that, I think if it's a UK baker we have to focus a little bit less on the EUDR it's important but I think that it's, we're questioning now the methodology because the methodology is that the suppliers that supply us, then we supply the chain, will have to put all the data into an EU database, which then obviously be collated and updated. And as we know, databases take a while. The question really is for UK and UK bakers is what does the UK deforestation mean? Because we could end up with a possible audit or an extension of our existing RSBO audit. Mm-hmm. So at, at the moment, um, lots of people like KTC are audited every year to make sure we're compliant and we're meeting all the standards. It could be an extension of that or it could be another process. I don't think it will be a detailed database because they've become quite un, unyieldy. My, not my experience is or my, my understanding is the UK government will appoint somebody who's a, who's going to be an arbitrator who'll be who'll be um, who'll be actually auditing in some way, and then it's what 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 happens then with smaller bakers like we do with the RSPO now. A um, we are we are the manufacturer, 
we're the ones who are, are audited. Then we will supply a customer. They will have to just check our audit records to make sure, do we have a certificate? Have we been audited? Do we comply? Do we meet the regulations? So it's all about what responsibility in the supply chain. The big bakers obviously will have to go through their own because obviously they're of a certain size to, and they'll be used to being audited. Every year we're audited by BRC, Halal, Kosher. It's just part of the audit process. The UK government though has been slower. At least mm -hmm. we're aware of the EU regulations. The UK government is only just starting to publish and so we're not 100% clear about the, the process. We know it will mirror the EU to some degree, but not in, in some sort of cover. So, and the call I had, um, or I'm involved with at the moment with the, the industry, I think there's a bit of concern about the amount of preparation and work that needs to go into it. We all want to do a good job, but we don't want to du duplicate all the hard work that's going in there and the cost, because it will be, the, the, obviously compliance equals cost in, in many cases. There is also a worry that the cost of implementing track and trace measures could yeah. fall onto the suppliers and ultimately onto consumers. What yeah. would you say about that? Well, unfortunately, it will be. I think that if you look at the whole principle of the deforestation law, whether it's UK or EU, is that the we will become a premium destination for segregated sustainable products mm -hmm. uh, because up to even now, there's very much a split between um, what we call mass balance and what we call segregated supply chains. Now, mass balance means somewhere in the supply chain there's segregated products, but it's been mixed with, with you know, and that doesn't mean it's not traceable because it can be traceable. So the challenge, as I would say, I, I've been working on this since 2010. It's been a challenge to get everybody to move over from non-sustainable to segregated sustainable. Mm -hmm. And this just seems um, a very difficult process purely because by default overnight from the 1st of January, 2025, all the supply chain will be 100% segregated. And that, that is great news, um, but I think it takes out choice and it takes right. out obviously the process of trying to get people to move out. So it brings a definitive date into the process. And I know there's a lot of frustration in Indonesia and Malaysia because the EU is one of the largest um, buyers of palm oil. There's a there's a bigger impact to come purely because part of this deforestation law is that um, the EU currently buys significant amount of palm that goes into energy production mm -hmm. for for biodiesel and, and energy production because it's, it's it's a sustainable source and palm oil yield is significantly higher, 10 times more than rape soy and sunflower. So the EU has already told them they, they, will, they, will, they will wind down the use of palm in, in the sustainable commodity um, burning products. So that sounds quite good because people think, oh, that's great because those millions of tons that go into burning or biodiesel will move into food. And that's probably not the case. Um, unfortunately, what it means is that the EU will probably buy less uh, you know, yes, it may show, it may show consumers that there's more due diligence, but obviously we're trying to work on a total solution where our vehicles are powered sustainably. We're eating products that are sustainable, um, but the cost of living crisis is, is highlighting the issue in terms of inflationary. And I think my concern is by by, by narrowing the supply chain, 
putting these things in control, there's a possibility of it becoming inflationary and causing concern for the whole market, really, because of these extra controls and, and the tight, of a, um, tight supply chain. So ultimately, are you in favour of the uh, EU deforestation regulation or do you think it's all just a bit too soon? No, I think I think I'm in favour of the principle. I think because I said myself and other people have been pushing very hard. Uh, I, I think the timing maybe is of my concern. Is is the preparation to make sure people are concerned, uh, are prepared and ready for it? Obviously, we'll always work towards these kind of guidelines. Um, uh, my concern is just that the impact of doing this um, could could backfire. Mm-hmm. Because I think what we're what we're trying to do in the industry, and I said there's lots of good people in the industry saying, to look, palm oil can be sourced sustainably. Buying it segregated will support the whole supply chain. But as 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 you know, Jill, um, the world's quite a big place. There are lots of developing countries like China and India, and their priority is to feed their people. Right. And we've we've got to balance out the the, you know, the rising population feeding people as well as making sure it's done the right thing. But if I go back to the point about having, is making sure that the, the small holders, the important people in the supply chain, they have to be incorporated. They have to benefit from this supply chain. And I said, I, I just need some convincing that uh, that they'll be covered totally. And, I, and I'm not sure they will be initially. It may just take time to, to bring that into play. KTC has been leading the way on sustainable palm oil. Can you tell us more about your Planet Palm product? Yep. yep. So uh, KTC has been, I said, been a large manufacturer anyway. So our, our customer base is quite varied. So we are major suppliers to food service, but also retailers and manufacturers who then make products. Um, so KTC was a fam- up to 2022 as a family. So it was an independent family company. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the family members unfortunately passed away, and I think there's always been a need to grow the company further. So we we were taken over by Endless, which is a private equity company um, uh, who, who owned Hovis and Bright Blue Foods and, and Multi whatever, and that enabled KTC to to realise its ambitious growth plans and investment plans. So we already were probably already one of the largest suppliers of oils, in fact. And what we've done is just diversify by buying. So we bought a specialist bakery manufacturer, Cotow and Creameries in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And that allowed us to get more involved with bakery products. So we as KTC do palm oil and other products here. Um, we all we supply things like olive oil and lard into the into the sector. But by buying Cotow and Creameries, that gives us a real... Um, sort of inroad into specialist bakery products, cake, pastry, shortenings. Uh, and obviously, I joined KTC back in 2019 and I've always been a very strong advocate about doing things right, correctly and rightly. And I, we thought it was the right thing to do to, to move towards a target. Now, in some case, with palm, standard palm oil, it was quite simple to move from a, a, a mass balance to a segregated because the cost was relatively small and mm-hmm. we, we worked to persuade our customers it was the right thing. But thankfully, most of the big organizations we'll deal with now insist on that anyway. Right. The Planet Palm range came around purely because 
and I said I was a little bit dismayed about going to see some of my colleagues on, on the continent because they don't mention the word palm. Mm-hmm. They, you know, it's called vegetable oil, or they right. they try and skirt around because they're too scared of going out there and being out and proud. So Planet Palm is about being very much pro palm, mm-hmm. working on the words that we, we we've worked in. So we've done a lot of work with Chester Zoo and other environments who are and the Orangutan Trust who are basically advocating the use of palm, not not moving away because it just causes problems elsewhere. And so Planet Palm is just an, an unashamed event to say, look, it's palm on the box, it's sustainable, and trying to educate people on that for So um, we're rolling out the project to a number of products now, and our, our idea is to move it into frying oils and specialist applications to give people choice. And and the cost isn't there because the supply chain's already there, Jill. So it's more a case of not hiding behind a package or not hiding behind a brand. It's just Planet Palm. Right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think I think it's good. It's kind of it's very good timing. I think the the good news is what we're trying to do as an industry as well as KTC in the coming months is to clearly illustrate in a in a in a simplified way what is going on. Mm-hmm. who needs to do something so we I've already put some infographics out to educate people about what the EUDR means and I think as we as it becomes clearer I think we'll try and do our best to educate the industry <laughs>